Two girls found dead in a hotel in Sylvan Lake, Alberta. Maybe Leaf Sports and Entertainment's sweetheart deal with the city for the World Cup is revealed. Rise in tuberculosis among Indigenous communities in Canada's north. Strike vote among PSAC's members signals possible appetite for strike of 155,000 workers. And bombing in Myanmar by its military government leaves up to 133 people dead. Good morning. It's Thursday, April 13th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First, tragic news out of Sylvan Lake, Alberta. Yesterday evening, news broke that two girls were found dead in a hotel room on Sunday morning. They were 12 and 13 years old. The 12-year-old was from Sylvan Lake, and the 13-year-old was from Red Deer. Police said that EMS found them and that a male parent was nearby, though no further details were given. Police say that there was no indication of homicide or suicide, which, I mean, asks so many questions, but the obvious, how did two young girls just die? Sadly, there is no other information. Next to Toronto for a classic story of socialism for the rich. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment will not have to pay anything for helping to host the World Cup. The company will keep the revenues that it makes off of the World Cup. But someone will have to pay for the necessary stadium upgrade for BMO Field. I mean, I had the chance to play there. It's not World Cup caliber. (laughs) So who will? Ben Spur at the Toronto Star got his hands on a letter of intent from February. It says that the cost to host the games will be borne by taxpayers. MLSC will also get money to temporarily relocate the Toronto FC and the Argos during the World Cup. The decision was made by the city, which says that the deal, quote, protects the public interest, unquote, because MLSC has the, quote, unique mix of roles and expertise, unquote, that are needed to pull off the World Cup. MLSC is an amazing beast. In addition to the Argos and Toronto FC, it also owns the Maple Leafs and the Raptors and former Mayor John Tory. If you come after MLSC online, you get inundated with the weirdest trolls. As an aside, the company is majority owned by both Bell and Rogers. It answers the question, what does the love child between Bell and Rogers look like? The city didn't say how much it would pay for all of this, aside from at least $25 million to upgrade BMO Field. Last year, it was projected that it would cost the city of Toronto about $300 million to host part of the World Cup. Though, since then, FIFA has expanded how many games there will be, which will likely impact BMO Field as one of the fields being used as North America hosts the games. John Tory still sat on the board of Rogers back when he was mayor of Toronto, which many people saw as a conflict as... Rogers owns over a third of MLSC. When he blamed his resignation on having an affair with a staffer, it quickly came out that that staffer left his office for a job at MLSC. It's hard to see this deal with anything other than through corruption goggles. Next to Saskatchewan, where medical workers are being told to watch out for tuberculosis in children who live at some First Nations reserves. They've seen an unusual increase in TB as COVID has receded a trend that has been seen around the world. There have been at least three deaths and two in patients under the age of 18 linked to TB outbreaks in Black Lake, Fond du Lac, and Pelican Narrows, reports the Globe and Mail's Kelly Grant. Wollaston Lake is being closely watched for a possible outbreak to emerge. 
Grant reports that 44% of TB cases in the north of the province were children. Nimadi Dabuka, the medical health officer for the Northern Intertribal Health Authority, said, quote, This is quite concerning. We do regard TB in children as an emergency because the outcome is often very devastating, particularly in the context of northern communities. In Manitoba, TB death rates more than doubled from before the pandemic. In 2021, the death rate rose to 8.6% and fell to 7.2% in 2022. That was up from just 3% before the pandemic. I mean, just 3% is still too high, but 3% compared to 8.6% is quite significant. Resources shifted to COVID during the pandemic, making monitoring TB very difficult. Now, the case rate among First Nations people is very high. It's 16.1 cases per 100,000 people, 2.1 for Métis people. And for people who are born outside of Canada, it was 13.4 per 100,000 cases. Among people who are born outside of Canada, the cases are higher for people who are born in countries that have high prevalence of TB. But the highest rates by far are among Inuit. They have a case rate of 135.1 cases per 100,000 people. 135.1 cases. Among non-Indigenous people born in Canada, the case rate is 0.2 cases per 100,000 people. That is an incredible disparity. 0.2 cases for non-Indigenous people born in Canada versus 135.1 for Inuit. There are TB outbreaks at two Baffin Island communities, and 30 cases have already been identified in Nunavik in northern Quebec this year. Grant reports that risk factors for TB are, quote, overcrowded housing, poverty, high smoking rates, and scant access to medical care, unquote, all of which make First Nations and Inuit communities more susceptible to outbreaks. In 2018, Trudeau promised to eliminate TB among Inuit communities, And in the most recent budget, the Liberals promised $16.2 million to be dispersed over three years to try and do this. Unsurprisingly, the Inuit Tapirit Kanatami has said that this is not enough. World health data has shown an uptick in TB cases and deaths worldwide for the first time in 20 years. Now to federal politics, where an overwhelming majority of PSAC members have just voted to strike. The 120,000 employees of the Treasury Board are now in a legal strike position. This just on the heels of a strike vote held by 35,000 CRA workers who are a division of PSAC. That means that about 155,000 workers who are members of PSAC are in a legal strike position. The workers were offered a three-year contract with pay increases of 1.5%, 4.5%, and 3%. That is in year one, two, and three. That is a cumulative 9% pay increase, but it remains well below the rate of inflation, and workers have rejected this contract because they want their salaries to at least keep pace with the rising cost of living. I mean, 1.5% in the first year, that doesn't even come close to the rate of inflation. This is potentially the first strike action taken by PSAC since the Phoenix payroll fiasco. In addition to wanting salaries that meet inflation, public sector workers have been plagued by salary problems that in some cases were so extreme that people couldn't make mortgage payments. That, plus the fight for these workers to have flexibility and work from home as they did during the first years of the pandemic, plus them being the ones who coordinated massive government programs like CERB in the thick of the pandemic, you can feel that there is a built-up frustration with how they've been treated. 
With strikes sweeping higher education in eastern Canada, will there be a willingness to actually strike among these workers? We'll have to wait and see. And finally, CNN is reporting that 133 people were killed in central Myanmar yesterday after a military airstrike. It was the deadliest attack since the military overthrew government in a coup d'etat. Al Jazeera was not able to confirm the 133 people and is instead reporting that 50 people died. Both CNN and Al Jazeera are reporting that children and other civilians were killed. It happened in Kanbulu Township in the Sagang region. The aircraft continued to fly overhead after the bombing attack, making relief work impossible. Medical teams have not been able to get to the site. The attack happened as 300 people had gathered to celebrate the opening of a new local administrative office. It's also Ting Yang New Year, and many people were visiting relatives from out of town. The new office is being coordinated by the National Unity Government, a resistance group that was formed after the coup d'etat by people who had been in government at the time of the coup. They have since been fighting the military-controlled government. The area is not under the control of the current government. The National Unity Government has been labeled terrorists by the military government, reports CNN. Some countries and international bodies, like France's Senate, have formally recognized the National Unity Government as the true government of Myanmar. While this has been the deadliest attack since the coup d'etat, it isn't the only one. The most recent, most deadly attack happened in October when the military government attacked a music festival and killed at least 80 people. Al Jazeera reports that at least 1.2 million people have been displaced from their homes in the fighting, according to the UN. Thousands have fled to Thailand after the most recent attack. Those are your headlines for Thursday, April 13th. I'm Nora, and I hope you have a great day.